0: Hey what's up dirties It's me Welcome to another episode of the SPP Uh, If you want to come see your dude Do some comedy I got dates (laughs) Come see me do some stand up comedy uh, This Thursday April 6th At the Bistro in downtown Hayward Uh, The Boyles Bistro Blowout That is my monthly Produced Show that I do In downtown Hayward This month we got Jay Rich headlining We also got Jesus Cruz uh, Jason Cole um, Who else? Uh, Sam Medina And Ashley Monique That's this Thursday And then this Friday uh, In Alameda At the Faction Brewery Go to Eventbrite and find Faction Brewery Comedy, Alameda Comedy Works. Uh, We're doing a big show there on Friday, April 7th. April 14th, I will be doing comedy in Santa Cruz at Greater Purpose Brewery. Just added date. Um, And then April 16th, I believe that's a Sunday, I'll be doing comedy at the Branham Lounge in San Jose. Uh, I'll be doing a, uh, a show on 420, April 20th at Liquid in San Jose for a big 420 show. And <laughs> they don't know that I don't smoke. It's funny. Uh, and um, and then Friday, uh, April 21st, I'll be at the Vikings Motorcycle Club in Hayward for their monthly comedy show at the MC And as always Music heard here On the SPP Is not owned Licensed or copywritten by me Sean Boyles Or the Sean Boyles Podcast We ain't got no rights to the music So don't act like you're gonna get silly with it And try to sue a dude for music That I have no right plane anyway. Let's do a podcast! It's the Sean Brills Podcast. Music. Comedy. Drums. Life. Burita, burita, burita. I appreciate your letters of concern and your... Your wonderings of where I am And where I was And what happened And how come we didn't get a podcast yesterday Actually no. nobody reached out Nobody said a word Nobody said anything Nobody even complained That the podcast was a uh, day late I apologize for that I uh, I got caught up Got caught up in my own bullshit um, Just you know Running around trying to do stuff, you know, trying to make stuff happen. I got gifted something, and I go to pick the th- thing up, and we decide to go to dinner instead. And then we go to dinner, and then we came back and loaded up the thing, and I got all excited, and I bring the thing home and try to fire it up. I got given, I got given, a four ten with two horn, a co- uh, a, a bass cabinet, uh. uh uh, The the, the brand is called Acoustic. And I have this Acoustic bass head that I've been sitting on for a while. And um, my cousin knew I had that head, and he came across this cabinet. The guy was giving it away. So he grabbed it for me, and then he gave it to me. He said it would make it a perfect accompaniment for that head. Thus it does. However, I haven't had a chance to plug it all in. That's what I did last night. I came home. And I was like, oh, before I do, I'm gonna, I'll record the podcast. But before I, you know, I mess with this thing, and I plug it in, and it's not sounding so hot. So I keep fucking with it, and keep swapping out cords, and maybe I got janky cords or whatever. And I'm texting my cousin, and I'm like, hey, this thing, you know, maybe the head's a little wonky. He's like, oh, that could be the cabinet. And we're going back and forth and troubleshooting, and I'm trying to run a different head through the cabinet to try to see if it's, it's just making noises and it's being weird. Before I know it. It's 11.30, I'm like, fuck, I haven't done the podcast yet. I go in the house, go to grab the iPad, I'm gonna start to do the, and I, the iPad is not charged. Total dead iPad, and I just said, fuck it, I'll do it tomorrow. And here we are. Welcome to the Shaw Boyles Podcast, episode 185 to be alive 185 uh, what's up er, butt cuppers uh we got i've uh, got some shit to go through this week jack some shit a lot of things happening a lot of things that perked my interest this week um i'll recap some shit we had a show last week i did a comedy show um and just this, that, and the other. We'll do a reaction. We'll do the earworm. We'll get you guys going and send you on your way. Ah, uh, you getting through, um, you getting through uh, the Kid Rock complaints? You getting through it? <laughs> God damn. Um, for those that don't know, um, Kid Rock made a spectacle of himself and, and uh made a made a sh- made a little video of him taking a an assault rifle and and uh shooting the shit out of a bunch of Bud Light cans and cases and stuff. In protest of Anheuser Bush's um uh linking up with a uh a a a a an influencer, some YouTube sensation who happens to be trans and they're going to, you know, push this angle about, you know, uh acceptance and tolerance and 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 things like that and they're using this this particular individual and apparently kid rock didn't like that. So he uh shot up a bunch of cans in protest. And uh so memes have been started, jokes have been made. I went on a terror yesterday of, um, of just, just good old, just kicking, just shit kicking Kid Rock shit, um, making fun of the man and his, uh, silliness and his ways and, uh, you know, saying that, you know, he's, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain kind of person that's into Kid Rock. You know, and I was making some jokes. I had a series of uh, Kid Rock makes music for a certain type of people. For instance, Kid Rock makes music for women who have lost their kids because they were in the way while they were turning tricks out of the trailer. Kid Rock makes music for folks that rebuild carburetors in the sinks of their tinfoiled windowed Winnebago's. Yes, this is the kind of music that Kid Rock makes. Kid Rock makes music for people that think January 6th should be a national holiday. Kid Rock makes music for people that think pronouns are professional nouns. Kid Rock makes music for people whose love language is domestic violence. And Kid Rock makes music for parole parolee women who enjoy pushing on the soft spot of their preemie babies' heads. Now, um <laughs> Kid Rock's a piece of shit. I I didn't I've never liked the dude not once, not ever. Um Back in the day, way back in the day, before anybody had even heard of Kid Rock, uh, Lickisto got a chance to open up for Kid Rock. That's right. We got contacted by um, by the Coco Dree, which was a club in San Francisco at one point, And they had this guy coming through who they said was a... Uh, A rock rap guy. And uh, they needed an opening band. And they asked Ligasto to open up for this guy named Kid Rock. Now we saw that the guy's name was Kid Rock. And we said who is this fucking OG fucking rapper dude. Kid Rock sounded like something straight out of 1985. And we just laughed at the idea that this guy's name was Kid Rock. And on that alone, we said no. We do not want to open up for anybody named Kid Rock. That is ridiculous. A short time later, I see Kid Rock on MTV. Carson Daly is, is singing his praises saying, oh, this this DJ's amazing, he he scratches over Metallica songs. And I was like, big fucking deal, Carson Daly. Is that what makes your fucking pecker hard? The fact that somebody scratches over Metallica records? This is, you're retarded. What's wrong with you? You think that's amazing that he decided to scratch, you know, he was scratching over Sad But True. It was, it was fucking stupid. He had him on one of those MTV New Year's Eve things. And the dude was scratching over fucking Sad But True. And Carson Daly thought it was the most genius thing he's ever heard in his life. I blame Carson Daly for the popularity of kids. Carson Daly... Introduce the world to Kid Rock. Send your letters, write your congressmen, and let's um, let's hold uh, Carson Daly accountable for the atrocities of um, of Kid Rock. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been uh, that's been that's been fun navigating through. Um, Kid Rock Bullshit. And then we got Trump being uh, indi- indicted and having to go down there and sit in a courtroom and and plead. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, dude's slippery, man. Dude is slippery and pays a lot of money for even slipperier, slipperier more slippery lawyers and shit. And he's got a team of slick motherfuckers. But um, they got motherfucker on tape saying, you know, if we um, if we can hold off paying her off. If we can hold off until after the election. To pay her off, we probably won't have to pay her off. Got this motherfucker on tape saying that. Little hard to hide from that. Cause he's being brought up on charges of um uh covering up shit payoffs and the like um for uh, for the elections and stuff. Thirty-four counts. So many that it's become a felony. So we will see. First president there we get brought up on charges. They say there's a lot of presidents that probably should have been brought up on charges. But the the disdain for this fucking guy. And I I understand the disdain. Like, obviously the guy's fucking willy nilly. He says wacky shit. He's a fucking idiot. People love him because he's not Washington politics. But then, you know, people hate him because he's a fucking weasel. You know, New York don't got no love for that dude. He'd only been getting mentioned in rap songs all these years because of the money. And people that don't have money sometimes admire people that have money. And um, sometimes they admire people that have money that have come into that money in not so you know uh ill gotten means ill gotten means so anyway i'm um not a th- an authority enough to even really speak on it but i've been hearing a lot of people um I- i'm moving on that was my moving on um increase in volume uh <laughs> Oh, let's recap the show I had last week. I did a show in Pleasanton, California. Uh, There is no ghetto in Pleasanton. Pleasanton, California has no shitty neighborhood. There is no part of Pleasanton, California where you drive down a street and go, oh, God, this is a a not-too-nice part of town, is it? There is no part of Pleasanton that is like that. Not to say that there's not shady characters in Pleasanton. They're few and far between, though. And I think there's one street. There's one street on the back side of the fairgrounds, like on the, on, the, uh, on the horse track side of the fairgrounds. I think there's one small street that's a little questionable. Questionable. But nothing to be called ghetto. Or Unsavory. Or an area where you gotta kind of watch out for your shit. I wouldn't lock a door once if I lived in Pleasanton. I'd never lock a door. This is that is just not a not a place that is got anything going on. Anyway, uh, shout out to Eric Summers and his spot is um uh, he's been doing now uh the neighborhood bar and grill or neighborhood sports bar and grill. Uh, they got a little small little back area. And, uh, you can hang out in the bar and watch the televisions and all stuff, but you can go in the back and it's separated enough that we're not bothered by televisions and stuff. And then, you know, he's charging people and he's got a regular crowd. He's very precious about his crowd. So he asked everybody to, uh, not do any crowd work and not, uh, insult the venue or insult, um, his patrons. Uh, he's very, um, very worried and concerned, and wants to make sure that he uh, has the repeat business that he's been having. Well, I understand. That's I mean, that's that's all well and good. You want to um, you want to keep the people coming back. You don't want some asshole coming in and saying some foul shit and potentially turn the people off. Understood, heard loud and clear, Mister Summers. Um I was concerned going into the show because I literally had not been on stage in almost four weeks. The last time I had done a set was the last um Boyle's Bistro Blowout. Uh, I had done an open mic one or two open mics, nothing very fruitful. But I went into the show going, oh man, I don't got I, I don't got no reps in. I might, um, I might screw the pooch on this one. And he had me going bullet too, which means going first. So, um, and I've been having a little bit of a struggle trying to figure out how I'm going to turn my material that has been lately. Um, you know, hey, you know, only a few years into being married and it's sexless already. Hey, hey, look at me, I'm a fucking pig. No wonder. Um, and then and and try to spin that into well, yeah, didn't, <laughs> marriage didn't last very long, and now I'm getting a divorce. But look at me, probably because I'm a pig. Um, so I think I've I think I figured it out, but um, because I was worried I was gonna lose. I had a g- good chunk of material that. That I was digging and um, I've kind of I think I've spun it to sort of make sense still. I can still do the material and spin it into um, being a divorced man now Um, or headed for divorce or in the process of divorcing or wherever the fuck we are. Separated, I guess, is technically what we are right now. Divorcing. No papers have been filed. Still haven't gotten together to even wrap my head around even trying to do that. Not that I don't want to. Um, Just haven't done it. So, anyway. But, uh... Like I said, I was I was a little concerned and nervous, not nervous, but just like not um, not confident that I was going to have a good set. I was definitely going into this set thinking that I was not going to do well. And um, uh, that fan was on the on the. No, that's not his name. That fan. (laughs) What the the fuck? Uh, Dan Matt Matt it has got some sort of weird Vien- fucking Vietnam- Vietnamese name. That fam's the fucking guy from, um, Last Comic Standing. Doubt Mao, Mai? Fuck, I can't pronounce this shit. Anyway, I've seen this guy around. He's, he's been around a long time. Um, I think he lives in Los Angeles now, but, um, he was going second and I was going first and, uh, I was right about to right about to go on and he's like hey 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 real quick um I've seen you plenty of times before um don't do as good as you usually do
1: <laughs> I was like what
0: he's like you, you, you usually have really good sets so don't don't do as good as you usually do <laughs> cuz that's just going to make it hard for me <laughs> I go, yeah. I go, I don't think you got anything to worry about. I haven't been on stage in fucking three weeks or four weeks. He's oh, shit. But I ended up having a great fucking set. Um, everything fucking worked. The crowd was great. They laughed at a lot of stuff. Um, he told me not to do any crowd work, and I did small and smidges that somebody reacted to something, and I had to sort of make uh sort of had to play with that but it wasn't um could have been bad actually <laughs> I didn't go too deep because I had it running in my mind you know don't do any crowd work don't make fun of the crowd so um but yeah everything fucking hit and uh the order of the jokes I did was in a good order and fucking worked out great was very happy with my set. Haven't done a set since, but <laughs> but hey, uh, was happy with that set. Um, uh, I got sets. I got I got shows coming up though, so I'll get back on. I'm getting back on the horse. It's just a weird, just not a lot of shows booked. So um, now April seems to have some shows booked. Uh, anyway. Uh, what else we got Um, speaking of jokes and doing comedy and jokes um, I got a friend who um, hits me up from time to time asking me questions about this that and the other not a big deal have no problem talking with this individual But there is there is a little something about this individual that that, 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 that sort of bugs that I'll know that I, I'll say something and as soon as I text it, I go, oh, no. I've just set him up for a fucking dad joke fucking... And he, he can't help himself but to go for the joke. It's like he can't, he's not a comic, he's just a guy. But he can't help himself but go for the joke. And it's cringy. Because oftentimes it's not funny. <clears throat> Or I just don't think it's funny. Maybe it's funny for other people. But I'm not laughing. And then I think about the time. and I never say anything about it. I never say, hey, dude, just stop. Stop it with the jokes. Just stop. I never say that because one of the first times I was hanging out with Mean Dave. I had drove him to a show. Mean Dave doesn't drive. So he said, hey, if you, uh, if you drive me to the show out here, I could probably get you a guest set. i go, like, okay, where's the show? In Sacramento. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we got to drive an hour and a half, and maybe I can get a guest set? Sure, why not? It's a Friday. I got nothing to do. It'll only take fucking two hours to get out there. Let's give it a go. So um, we do the show. I I was pretty new still. I I think it was uh, maybe a year into comedy, maybe less. And I had a uh, had a good set, got some good laughs. He was headlining. It's uh, so when he was just just was starting to headline, and uh, he had an okay set. And we're hanging out after with some folks some other comics or just some people that were at the show there was this back patio behind this place we're outside it's nice weather people are smoking drinking having good times i am at some i somehow i ended up holding court which is not something i usually do with strangers But I got on a roll and started talking and and, and I'm just just doing my thing the way I've always done it. Not even thinking about comedy. But I'm telling a story and talking about something and I'm getting laughs. And Mean Dave leaned over to me and he, he goes, hey, hey. You don't have to be funny right now. And I stopped and I looked at him. I go, what are you talking about? He's all you're you're like. You're like trying to be funny. I go, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just talking. I go, obviously, you don't know me well enough to know that. I just that's how I this how I roll. And he's like, oh, and he kind of rolled his eyes. Dave doesn't like anybody trying to be funny. You should just be funny. And I guess it looked like I was trying and he didn't realize it. I was just being funny because that's just kind of my personality. If it, this is what got me in trouble all through school was, you know, running off at the mouth and making people laugh and getting in trouble because I was disrupting the class. I've I've said it many times. I was funny before I started doing comedy. I, was, I wasn't... Going into comedy isn't what made me funny. I was already funny. I just wasn't doing comedy. I've been wanting to do comedy for a long time. I just finally got around to doing it. So I just thought, so with this friend of mine that always goes for the joke, I want to tell him to stop because it's not funny. But I remember this interaction I had with me and Dave back when I first met him. And uh, I don't because dude is just doing what he does and what he feels comfortable doing. And if he wants to go for the dad joke, the super obvious, super cringy fucking dad joke, Go for it, dude. I'm not gonna say nay. But do you always have to go for the <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> do you go for the joke or do you not go for the joke? You know. Cause it could derail a conversation, to be honest, you know, like if you're always going for the joke, especially if you're having a serious conversation. You're having a serious back and forth, and then there's some fucking zinger that gets thrown in there. Um, which I've learned to, if I'm going to throw a zinger, I throw in a zinger and then reel it back in to whatever point I'm trying to make. that's relevant to the conversation. Some people, and this guy in particular, the zinger happens, and if he gets a laugh, he keeps going. And goes off, based off of the zinger, and then, and, and tags and, and, and runs with that, and and then, and then you forgot what the hell you were talking about in the first place. It's like, he, like that need for the laugh. It's like, he needs it, almost. He can't help himself. He has to throw out the zinger because he needs somebody to laugh at what he's doing. He needs the, the reassurance. And a lot of people that go into comedy have that. They're, they're insecure to the point where they get up on a stage and it's look at me, laugh at me, love me. And that's a lot of comics that have that. I don't have that. I could give a shit what you think about me or about what I'm doing. And I know I'm in the big time my own minority uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't care if you like me. I understand that I need to have likability in order for you to laugh at my material. I can't go up there with such a, you know, fuck you people attitude that I'm off-putting. I can't be obtuse. I don't want to be obtuse and I don't want to be off-putting. I like pudding. No. Um, I, you know, I, I... I don't need it, though. That's, I think, the difference. Do I want it? Sure. It's nice. I don't need it. I don't need your approval. I don't need you to laugh. It's cool. It's a nice little bonus well, why would you go into comedy if you don't need the laugh? I enjoy and I like making people laugh. But more importantly, I like saying foul shit and I like making jokes. I do it for me. I'm a selfish bastard when it comes to that kind of shit. I've talked about this many a times here on the podcast. I do this shit for me, Jack, for me. I make these jokes for me and for my own entertainment if you like it, fucking great. It's fucking great. But if you don't like it, I don't give a shit, you know? Um All right, let's do um you want to do a thing? You want to do this thing?
1: That is
0: a little uh a little weird on the stereo output there. I'm going to try to fix that. I don't know if I can. Yeah. Reaction of the week. Uh ladies and gentlemen, dirties of all ages, uh every week I try to react to a song on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh because it's you know, that's pop music. Pop 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 music and I don't usually like pop music I like fucking I like heavy shit yo I like that shit that's fucking jug 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 what um what a friend of mine in uh um well I I can't say a friend of mine a guy in uh high school was it high school when he said that no I think it was in college oh you into that headbanger shit huh (laughs) I thought that was funny Oh, you into that of shit, huh? You're goddamn right. Um, so uh, oh, we have a new number one. Uh, Miley Cyrus had been holding down the number one spot for a few weeks. And then a few weeks before that, it was all Tay-Tay. All Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was like fucking eight, nine, ten weeks. The Miley been there for four or five. And now we got a new number one. Um... Jimin I believe this is one of the cats from uh, BTS the South Korean boy band and this is homeboy doing a solo joint song's called Like Crazy let's see what Jimin's doing hold on I don't even know if this is coming in a stereo oh that's in uh, that's in uh that's in koreans a
1: that's a dude That's English.
0: Just mixing it up. I mean, that... I mean, that sounds like a female singing, right? Like, there's no... Not a very masculine singing. those 80s fucking drums big thick snare drums That's like Katy Perry, doesn't he? Hold again. What's the point? Okay. Um Is it hard for people to uh um is it hard for people to relate to a song if the song's not in your native language? Like, I know most people get, um, uh, most people listen to the lyrics and they, they, they really like try to, um, like they base their, their love for a song a lot of times on the lyrical content and what it's saying and what it means to them personally. Is that lost when a, um, when a song is not in English, for the most part. Yeah, I think the pre-chorus was in English, and then the chorus was in English, but you know, a lot of the verse was in Korean. Um, I mean, I don't, I've said it before, I don't pay attention to lyrics a lot. Um, you know where I pay attention to lyrics? Uh, country music. For some reason country music I pay attention to the lyrics a lot more than any other genre including rap music. Even in rap music I don't really key into the lyrics too often. I'll listen enough to 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 see if the rhyming, you know, I guess like I hear I can hear the rhyming patterns and I can hear what's happening and I can hear like what's being put together and how slick somebody's putting together but I can do that without dissecting the meaning of it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, but for the most part, yeah. Fucking, I don't I can, I can give a shit about lyrics. I don't. And these, um, again, I my setup here might be fucked up because it, didn't, it might have not been playing in the full stereo, but it sounded like the vocals were mixed kind of low, like in a uh, like in a Janet Jackson kind of way. Well her vocals were always mixed low, but anyway i mean pop is fuck song right but it's just a little weird the uh um ambiguousness of the uh, sexuality the um't know vocals like it's like oh, on purpose uh being a adro- uh uh, uh, uh androgy- androgy- androgyny androgynous Make up your mind, are you a dude or you a chick, huh? You got a pecker or you got a gash? What do you you got there, huh? Make up your fucking mind. Can't tell anymore. You fucking dildos running around with dildos and fucking dildos running around with gashes. (laughs) Fucking ignorant as fuck. Oh, man. This is more shit for people to complain about. Speaking of complaining... Uh I often will hear people so this has been from the dawn of time so if you go to a club or uh, or just a venue and you're in 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 and people will complain about the sound especially most of your complaints about sound are going to be from people that are in the front if you're in the front as getting as close to the band as possible, you are literally getting the worst sound in the place. You're going to get stage volume. It's going to be uneven. And you're probably not going to hear the lead vocals because you're so in the front that you're actually behind the PA. Ladies and gentlemen, please, if you go to a show... Look around the stage and look and see where the speakers are at and where they're pointing. If you're in the front of the stage and you look up and you see how the speaker is plugged in, if you can see where the speaker is plugged in, you are behind the PA. Move. Sit out in the middle of the crowd or, or, you know where the best spot is fucking sound in any fucking venue? The best sound in any venue, no matter what, is where the fucking sound guy is. Because guess what? He's dialing in the room compared to where he's fucking standing. And he's going to make it sound good where he's at. I don't I, I don't know how many I would um, last week when I was talking about that Satan show was that last week or the week before I was, I was in the front, I was close. I could give a shit what these guys sounded like I wanted to watch them play, and uh people i were I was with wanted to be in the front, so here we are we're in the front, and this person a, a stranger somebody I don't know, was right next to me, and I heard her say wow ah, doesn't sound very good I go look where you're at I go you're in front of that guitar cabinet the drums are right there and look up over here to our left those are the bats the back of the speakers we're nowhere near anywhere where the sound is going to be good I go if you want this shit to sound good go out there and she laughed and she said, you know what? I always do that. I always complain about it sounding bad and I'm always in the worst spot for the sound. I like to be in the front. I go, yeah, this is the worst spot for sound. If you want it to sound good, go in the back. I just don't, you know, people complain about shit that um, there's, uh, there's an obvious reason why it is, but they complain anyway. Case in point speaking about complaining, um, there's this festival going on in Indio, California, called The Power Trip. And this show, they've only announced like eight bands in this show. But it's literally, literally, the biggest hard rock and heavy metal bands that have ever been ever. It's Metallica, the biggest band on the planet Guns N' Roses, maybe fourth or fifth biggest band on the planet ACDC, legendary fucking biggest band on the planet Uh, Ozzy, who has said he's retiring from shows and is going to do one-offs This will be one of them Iron Maiden Um Oh, Tool. It's they're probably the lowest lowest band on that totem pole. Uh, who else was on this? I'm doing this from memory. I didn't I, I didn't write it down. Um There was a couple others that were like monsters. A 3-day pass Bare Bones minimum 3-day pass for one person is $650. That includes all the um uh all the fees and everything, right? If you buy the deluxe package, you can spend upwards of $1500 for like ultra super awesome 3-day uh, VIP, somebody tickles your taint with a fucking salamander kind of shit. Um, people were complaining about the cost of this thing. Now, costs to do shows and costs to travel and costs for things for bands is getting more and more expensive. Bands in the last... 10 or 15 years have only made money by touring and doing shows. Now, costs are becoming such that it's even hard for bands to do shows and I've been hearing a lot of bands that aren't making, they're not even making money doing shows anymore. They're breaking even and they're happy to break even. And so people are complaining about the cost of this show. You literally have all the biggest bands that could ever be playing this festival. would you think? It was going to be a fucking $50 fucking pass? $50 day pass? You know? It's not fucking 1985 anymore. The show's going to be expensive. Three days in the biggest bands on the planet that have the fucking biggest, most craziest stage setups. The Guns N' Roses stage setup is bananas. The Iron Maiden stage setup is fucking bananas. That shit's not cheap to take anywhere. Metallica's always got some big, lavish fucking stage setup. ACDC brings that fucking bell everywhere they go. And a big, inflatable, whole lot of Rosie. Rosie isn't cheap to get around Don't complain about fucking ticket prices when you would have spent fucking $200 to see one of those bands. I think 650 for the bare bones three day pass. Not too bad. Not too bad. I would have thought it would have been more to tell you the truths. Is there something else that people was complaining about? Oh, all right. Let's uh. (laughs) Do I got? What do we got? What are we doing on time? I got to see. I I misjudged and fucked up my thing, and I gotta. All right. I'm babbling and ooming and on, because I got to put a little break because I'm gonna run out of. The fucking app only lets me record for an hour, and I'm gonna run out of the hour, so I got to put a little break. I'm going to put a little break. I hate when I hear that on a a podcast, so I probably shouldn't even do that. I should have just stopped it and just fucking kept going. But you'll hear a podcast go, okay, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. And then there's there's nothing that breaks it up, and all of a sudden they're back. Like, why even say that you're going to do a break? Just stop, edit it, and it's seamless. You don't even know that there's a break. I'm going to have a break and then you're going to hear a little thing and then I'm going to come back. An actual real break in the thing. But not a big break, just a little break. Because I'm running out of space. Wrong, that's me record an hour. I just said that. Okay. See? A little break. A real little break. This little, little is a little noisy thing. And then I'm back. I'm making way bigger a deal about this break than I wanted to make. I should have just edited it together so you didn't even hear the fucking break. But I like to pull the curtain back, let you see the man behind the curtain. Uh, I want to talk about this. Um, I saw this list, and um, and it was just a random list that I saw. I was on I was on the YouTube's, looking around on the YouTube's. And this guy, this is what caught, this is why I caught my attention. It said heaviest riffs ever written in drop C tuning, and it caught my attention because that's very specific. Um, this individual felt that drop C was the heaviest of all tunings, even though you can tune way lower than drop C. He felt that the heaviest riffs that have been written have been written in drop C. Then he proceeds to have a list of riffs that weren't fucking heavy at all. I was so fucking mad I almost almost emailed the guy. (laughs) I was so mad I almost emailed him. I was gonna make a comment on the on the YouTube like there's nothing heavy about these riffs these are just riffs that you like that are in drop C hazards tunes to drop C I couldn't it, it, it was he had a John Mayer riff on this list. John Mayer. I've never once, ever, never, not never once thought heavy riff in John Mayer in the same sentence. And this fucking jerk-off had just... He had riffs of, of bands of songs I've never heard of before. And he had Walk... Which I don't even think Walk's in fucking drop C. I think it's in drop D. Could be wrong. Let's see, this guitar right here is in drop C. I don't know if you'll hear it. I don't have it plugged into anything. I don't know how to play that riff, though. It would be better if I knew how to play that riff. Anyway, I guess that sounds right. It's in drop C. So maybe. I don't know. I didn't think they tuned that low then. Because that was only... You probably couldn't hear that. It might have picked up a little bit in the mic. But anyway. Ah. <laughs> and that's a pretty heavy riff. It's not the heaviest riff ever written in drop C. That's for sure. It just bothered me, it really fucking bothered me, and um yeah, there just there was one pretty heavy riff on it, but not the most crushing riff. And then I saw another uh, revolver magazine asking all these guys the heaviest songs ever written, and it was crazy that a bunch of them got more um more votes than any other song. Sad but True by Metallica. What I mentioned earlier, didn't I? I mentioned that Kid Rock was scratching. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Sad but True came up twice in the podcast. <laughs> um, unintentional. But yeah, um, apparently that's a it, yeah, that's a heavy riff, heaviest riff of all time. But they were asking young ass bands too. You know what I mean? One guy, and I've always thought this guy was a douchebag. But he actually had one of the most right answers. That dude Jose from, uh, uh, I guess he's on Sirius. Um, he does, you know, he's the metal guy on the metal DJ on Sirius Radio, and it has been for a long, long time. I think he used to be like on K Rock or some shit back in the day. But uh, he's made his way onto Sirius, and um, he was on. I think he was on XFM, and then when XFM and Sirius combined, he took over the heavy the heavy channel. Um, but he said, and I was stoked when he said it: the breakdown in dead embryonic, uh, dead embryonic cells by Sepultura. And I remember when we heard that riff for the first time, we lost our shit. Just, it was so fucking crushing when that came in. How does it go? And I can't downpick it that fast because that's how terrible of a guitar player I am oh my god dude when that shit came in oh my god dude me and my buddy i remember we were watching we were watching headbangers ball and they played the fucking they were talking about how they're gonna play a new sepultura song we hadn't bought that record yet They played that song, the video, and they're fucking on the rocks and shit. They're somewhere in the desert. And uh, that riff dropped in, and it was me and my friend, just two of us, watching the television, and we started pushing each other around like we were moshing by ourselves. Because that riff was so fucking heavy. That was the start. I'm going to say that was the start. For the single noted rhythmic breakdown in a song. You had one, you had Metallica's one. But I think Dead Embryotic Cells is the catalyst for that. What ended up being the breakdowns in a lot of metalcore, hardcore, the jump, 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 jump. jump. You know the degent fucking heavy breakdowns and songs. I think fucking Sep Sepultura started that shit, son. Um, but yeah, I was uh, yeah, I kind of did a rabbit hole YouTube dive the other day, which I don't do, haven't done that in a while. Uh, one more thing, comedy. Um. I, had a, I saw a guy, there was a clip from a comic, a comic that I know, that I've uh, done shows with. And uh, he was, did a, had a little clip of a bit that he was doing about somebody at a show giving him a Viagra at the show. He had a cool bit about it. And I started thinking, I go, well, shit. I used to do a bit about getting Viagra at a show. Um and I hadn't done the bit in a long time, and I might bring that bit back. So so I'm so I'm trendy. No. <laughs> and and we don't have anywhere near the same bit. His take on receiving a Viagra uh from a show is completely different than my take on receiving a Viagra of the show and different different ending to the story. The story is a completely different story. Um I did a show with Pete Munoz and Ryan Goodcase. We went to uh we left here the Bay Area. We left from San Jose. We all met down there at Pete's and then we drove to a Tescadero. And we were staying with uh 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 a uh a comic that's in that area. What do they call that area? Mid mid coast? Um What is that area called? That area of California where it's you know a tescadero uh Paso robles uh uh san luis obispo that area um we were staying with uh mike zulinski zulinski zulanski uh he was kind enough to let us stay at his place so we go we do a show uh we ha- everybody had smasher sets we fucking everybody smashed everyone had great sets it was i had a great set I think I opened. Um, Ryan Goodcase had a fucking great set. Pete had a fucking monster set. And then this dude, Mike, who's the local guy there, he headlined and he had a fucking monster set. Uh, Pete got a lot of alcohol in him. And as we drove, I drove Pete's car. Or no, Ryan drove. Oh shit, Ryan. Ryan drove Ryan's car. Yeah, we all piled in Ryan's car, so Ryan drove me and him. We went; we were going to get some food after we went to Denny's. It was the only place open. And Mike drove Pete, but by the time we got to the Denny's, Pete was uh, Pete was out. Pete had had passed out in the car. Now earlier in the night, while we were at the show, I had told the fellas. That a man came up to me. Put out his hand to shake my hand. Put something in the palm of my hand as he shook it. Pulled me in close and told me. This will make your dick hard. And I look into my hand. And it's. The little blue pill. I. I thought it odd. I thought it very strange that another Man was giving me a viagra. Uh, I don't know maybe he thought I swung that way, maybe he thought he was going to get get lucky with me later on. Or maybe he had some weird confidence in me that he thought I was going to get lucky with somebody else later on in the evening. I don't know what 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 I don't know what would possess one to give another person a viagra. But nonetheless, and I told the guys, "Hey, this fucking guy gave me a Viagra tonight." And they're like, "What the fuck?" And they're like, Dude, "What? You slipped it in your drink?" I go, "No." He, he, I go, "Here." And I, I pull, pull it out, and we, just, we all laugh. And I put it back in my pocket. We're at Denny's. Me, Ryan, Goodcase, and uh, and Mike uh, Zulanski. And we're talking about comedy. We're talking about this. We're talking about that. We're having some. We're having some laughs. Um, I don't know this dude, Mike, you know, I, I just met him. So, um, you know, everybody's and I, I know Ryan. Uh, he's actually doing really good now, uh, he's doing comedy all over the country. Um, there's a lull in the conversation. And Ryan goes, hey, Sean, what did you do with that Viagra? Do You still got it? I'm like, yep, it's right here. And I pull it out and I put it on the table. And we all stare at the Viagra for a minute, and we're all just looking at it, and just and just wondering what the fuck was it that what was this guy thinking, giving me this Viagra? Like, what was the what was the play there? What would go What is going through a man's mind to give another man a Viagra because he did a good set at a comedy show? And we're all just kind of there in silence, staring at this little blue pill. And then Ryan scoops the, in one, one swoop, scoops the pill up, throws it in his gullet, takes his water, and swishes it down. And we go, whoa! And we make such a noise, and we start really laughing hard um, to the point where um, we get a lot of looks and a lot of um, side eyes from the rest of the patrons at the Denny's late at night. Um. In the morning, we ask Ryan what happened with the Viagra. And Ryan says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Ryan wouldn't talk and wouldn't admit to what happened. I assume he woke up. With the most raging morning wood ever in the history of morning woods. Um, and, um, and there was, you know, Mike had a few pets running around cats and dogs. None of them were around. And I thought in the distance I heard whimpering from one of the animals.
1: earworm of the week. ladies and gentlemen
0: boys and girls uh let's get out of here uh earworm of the week yeah sir um i was writing a riff that's how it often goes i'm writing a riff and i come up with a riff and it ends up sounding like another riff i'm like fuck and then that riff ends up getting stuck in my head. I did this um I did this a couple nights ago. I was uh, fucking with a little riff idea and uh I found myself kinda going like, oh well that kind of sounds like that. Let's you know, I go that's that's a good that's a good starting point. Let me fuck with this. And I got it the way I wanted it. It's not the riff, it's not even really close. But it definitely is in the ballpark enough that it made this song stick in my head. Uh, we're going back. We're going back to, uh, I think this is 1987. Um, for my favorite band. Again, let me make sure that this thing's fucking working right. Make sure that it's that nice and plugged in and nice. Uh, this is my favorite band of all time, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Mighty, Mighty Neurosis. Uh, this is the era of neurosis, though, that I am not... Um, I like not the biggest fan of this is the early neurosis when they were a uh crusty crusty hardcore punk band and uh this song is off of now there's about fucking 35 versions of this song floating around out there different recordings there's a live recording there's a original recording off the original there's a recording of it on a demo there's a recording off of the first record they re-recorded it For a release on the second record Um, This is the version Off of the first record The first full length record Which is called Pain of Mind This is the title track Neurosis, Pain of Mind Be good Keep it dirty And I'll see you dick knuckles Next week (laughs) Fuck Stanton Avenue and fuck Ace Frehley.
1: Brought to you by Blowout Productions.